Hi, friends. It's Aislinn. And Joe. Welcome to season three at our dinner table. And nothing is off limits at our nope. dinner table. So settle in, mm. grab your favorite beverage. And pull up a chair. Because we have a lot to talk about. Since we're re-recording this intro, do you want to do the Juice Newton sing-along thing? No. Oh, forever on the cutting room floor. Mm. <laughs> Can you think of another song that we might want to sing? Just to, you know, get, get the energy up and get people, you know, welcome to the dinner table? No, but I'll tell you that my little dog here in my lap, he smells kind of fruity like jasmine because I gave him a bath. Now, why did you give the dog a bath? Because we're going out of town. We're about to go out of town. And he's going with us. And because we are in that about to go out of town mode, mm-hmm. we're going to keep this episode a little more brief than normal. Oh, yeah, yeah. By the way, welcome to the dinner table. Hi. Yeah, we're here getting ourselves all put together, wrapping things up. I mean, we live on a farm where we have chickens, gardens to water and nurseries to water and directions to give about collecting eggs and all of the things that are occurring as we get ourselves moved towards our day of going out of town. So a couple of show notes. Next week's episode will be very abbreviated. Uh-huh. We will already be back in town. Yep. But the recording schedule and release yeah, yeah, schedule, yeah. you know how it goes. So no unnecessary words today, Aislinn. I want editing tonight to be a breeze. Okay. So let's begin. There's been some chicken naming around here. In fact, there has been. Not just the chicken naming that occurred from our listeners that Mm -hmm. helped us name a chicken, but also my nephew Jack was over here a few weeks ago, or has been here in the last couple of weeks, and one of the things that we did when we were hanging out here was I told him that we were naming the chickens and that all the chickens needed names. And so he wandered around like little kids do with all kinds of silly names, Macha Pucha Mm -hmm. and Pucha Mucha, but what we landed on was Bach and Carl. And he was so proud of Bach and Carl. And then when mom showed up to pick him up, he's like, mom, these, and he knew, like, he knew which two. He could pick them out in a crowd. He knew the colors of their bracelets. I showed him their bracelets. And he was like, that's Bach and that's Carl. It was great. So it was We're going to need a spreadsheet. Well, I already started one. Wonderful. Well, we asked our listeners to get in on the game. Mm -hmm. Posted a picture of one of the unnamed chickens, a beautiful black chicken. Astralarp beautiful red comb Mm -hmm. and you guys came up with some names in in round two you voted and we have a name it is mabel mabel i love it we don't have anything like a mabel in there so we've officially added the names buck carl and mabel to the flock (laughs) they're gonna fit in nicely unanswered questions Well, as you said, we are headed out of town. We are going to Hot Springs, Arkansas, and then a couple nights a little bit north of there to visit the Arkansas Ozarks and go on a lot of hiking and kind of nature commune. I have three large bags full of sweatshirts and sweatpants and scarves. It's cold up there. Two of the days we're going to be there, it's going to be sunshiny, crisp, Temperatures up in the 60s, like low 60s, but then the 35, 32 at night. So Mm -hmm. it's going to be cold nights, nice days. You asked me last week to compile a historical notion of celebrities that had visited Hot Springs. I'm really eager because I've been there already once and it's drawing me back. It's calling me back. And not only is it calling me back, it's calling me back with excitement. So tell me 
who you discovered about like what kinds of energies have been up in this place. Let me give you like the cliff notes of Hot Springs first. Hot Springs, Arkansas gets its name from the naturally thermal spring waters found there. Mm -hmm. Flowing out of the ground at an average temperature of 143 degrees, the hot springs produce almost 1 million gallons of water a day. It's hard to tell exactly how long people have been visiting the springs. Native Americans called this area the Valley of the Vapors, and it was said to have been a neutral territory where all tribes could enjoy its healing waters in peace. Can you imagine being some of the first humans on this earth and like the experiences that you were getting to come upon mm -hmm. and trying to understand and figure out what they are? And then you fast forward to 2022 and we're like, we're going to go over there and get in on some hot spring bathhouses. That's <laughs> like, right. We're going to get inside the big box with our head sticking up through <laughs> yeah. the top and get steam shot at us and from the hot And we're actually getting a version of an old school thing, which is, that in itself is funny to me. The vapors that came out of the earth have created this energy around them, basically. When Congress established the National Park Service Hot Springs Reservation, became Hot Springs National Park in 1921. Cool. But visiting Hot Springs today, it's hard to imagine the city as a hotbed for organized crime, such as <laughs> gambling, prostitution, and bootlegging. But from the late 1800s through the mid-1900s, especially in the 30s, Hot Springs was a popular hangout for, you ready? Al Capone, mm -hmm. Frank Costello, mm -hmm. Bugs Moran, Lucky Luciano, and a lot of other infamous mobsters. It's fascinating to me if you look at the whole world, but if we're just going to focus on the United States all of these little like explosions of basically vortexes of energy. If you, I mean, the truth is something was happening there that was different that drew energy down there, money, activity, all of that type of stuff, and then things grew around it. Think about the different places in the United States mm -hmm. where those types of things have occurred. Actually, I just had this quick thought, and I know we're not supposed to digress today, mm. but everyone needs to check out a new show called The Gilded Age, which is by the same people that did Downton Abbey, oh, okay. and it's actually about New York's uprising in the time of like the Rockefellers and stuff like that when there was like the new age of aristocracy, basically. Okay, right. So anyways, it's kind of that same concept of this like energetic vortex that begins and then what's going to happen around that. And are we going to draw in the things that we drew in from other places into this place? And then what are we going to like create there? And then what are we going to leave behind? Anyways, go on and tell me more. Gangster activity in Hot Springs eventually came to an end in the 60s due to a federal crackdown on what the government called the site of the largest illegal gambling operation in the United States. <laughs> and prior to that, Hot Springs was known around the country as the place to go that was like Las Vegas before there was a Las Vegas. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Energetic vortexes, man. Because of the thermal waters, it had become a training site and a recuperation site for a lot of professional sports teams. Mm -hmm. The therapeutic... For athletes. Sure. And then mm -hmm. in 2019, Kevin Costner in some big interview called Hot Springs a little Switzerland. And you've been. Mm -hmm. So maybe you can understand where he, he was going, like interesting architecture and that historical Well, yeah, but I think that and... I've seen interesting architecture and perspective from all different kinds of places. The thing that I recall from Switzerland is that it's very clean. Yeah. I don't remember that, but I do remember there being this just like very odd well, I think like, it's gonna vibration, be, like I said, a million times. Like natural beauty and the fact that the city is smack dab in the middle of sure. a national forest. Yes. But that kind of kicked off a new celebrity rush to Hot Springs. Uh -huh. But prior to that, I mean, there have been celebrity sightings 
from everyone from Demi Lovato to Harry Connick Jr. I could make a long list of names. But yeah, we're headed somewhere really interesting. And presidents, you said? Well, it certainly was where Bill Clinton grew up, for one thing. Well, sure. But FDR had a place Mm -hmm. called the Little White House in Hot Springs. Uh Uh-huh. That's what I thought I remembered. Several presidents would use Hot Springs as a retreat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, I'm super excited. I just, I do like the way we travel together and mm-hmm. how we look at things, it, but it does remind me of the venture we're taking when we went to Sedona. Yeah. Like there's something about that trip that this one reminds me of. Then when we were talking about the ingredient list of a package of taco seasoning, remember there are two ingredients there that don't really describe anything, mm-hmm. natural flavors mm-hmm. and spice. Mm-hmm. Well, I pulled out the gong and gonged it when we did that last <laughs> week because I think it's important to know what you're putting in your body and people rely on those ingredient lists to do so. Mm-hmm. So when you see something like natural flavor, the term natural flavor or natural flavoring is defined by the FDA as a substance extracted, distilled, or similarly derived from natural sources like plants or animals, even eggs, via a method of heating with its main function in food being flavoring, not nutritional. Mm-hmm. Now, this is interesting. What makes a flavor? Every flavor we taste is made of molecules. Mm-hmm. To get a better understanding, the next time you go eat any natural product, such as a piece of fruit, vegetable, or meat, pinch your nose and put whatever it is in your mouth, begin chewing it, and then release your nose. Mm -hmm. And this is called the magic whoosh Mm -hmm. in the food processing industry. What happens there is that the flavor molecules are released and your brain makes the recognition that what you're eating, let's say a strawberry, is a strawberry. Mm Mm-hmm. So what food processors are doing is basically translating that magic whoosh to make your brain recognize that something is the flavor of a food, even if in reality, that raw thing wouldn't taste anything like it. Mm, You with me? Bliss engineers. So a strawberry soda, for example, has strawberry essences or strawberry flavor, but it doesn't have fresh strawberry juice. And since strawberry juice has Mm -hmm. no shelf life really at all, They take extracts from things like jasmine, vanilla, raspberry, put them all together in a lab Mm -hmm. to present a strawberry-forward flavor in something that doesn't otherwise taste like strawberries at all. Right. Now, spice, if you see spice in the ingredients list, it's a common practice for manufacturers to label spices in ingredient statements as spice or collectively spices. And this allows two things, one of which you said last week. They can hide proprietary formulas. Mm -hmm. It also just allows a more concise ingredient statement. Although I'm not looking for concise, I'm looking for thorough. And the definition of a spice, according to the FDA, is any aromatic vegetable substance in the whole broken or ground form. Well, and thank God the FDA is regulating it for us. And again, the significant function in food is seasoning rather than nutritional addition. It's the science of food and it's bliss engineering. And that leads us right into the last gong of the week last week, Michael Pollan's food rules. And I gonged it thinking that maybe over the course of the next few weeks, we could just read one of them mm-hmm. and talk about it a little bit. Yeah, I've read most of his books. but He's he, one of those talking heads you see often in yeah, the different documentaries. Yeah, and he was kind of my first guide in food, really, if I had to say. And the reason that I would have said that I connected with him particularly is because his background was kind of like mine in that he didn't start in a food background. He started as a journalist and Mm -hmm. a writer and had an interest in plants and food. 
And then he got, you know, deeper into the kind of advocacy and, and talking head, like you said, right. point of being a food leader. You actually gave me a book that I kind of had told you about several times. You gave me a nice hard copy of it called The Food Rules, right. which is one of his books. And But and, and, I, my favorite book of his is actually Botany of Desire. And I think anyone who has any interest in plants whatsoever should read it. Botany of Desire. Yes. Well, food rules are 64 rules. And people can get thrown off by the word rules, but they have been kind of distilled into seven main ones. The first of which is eat food, mm-hmm. mostly plants, mm-hmm. not too much. Mm-hmm. Well, here's another one. And I think we've even mentioned it on the show before. Don't eat anything your great grandmother wouldn't recognize as food, which makes me think of my grandmother immediately because we would go to her house in the country every year for several years in a row and go pick corn and then shuck corn, take it off the cob, take it off the cob, and then (laughs) package it. And I remember even as a child, this corn is so much sweeter, better, it's called sweet corn, Uh than a can of corn. Huh, yeah. Our grandmothers knew a lot back then. Yeah, but they didn't have any other choice. Right. So, I mean... But the food they were eating was real because the options didn't exist or were just even emerging into the market. Yeah. There's so much about food. And the thing is, is that Food Rules and Michael Pollan, Food Inc., Food Inc. is an old movie, but still, these are like entry, good entry points, really. Um, but it takes a while to really start to shift your thought processes as it relates to food because we've been lied to so much about food. We have we have no real understanding. And and what Michael Pollan's trying to say is he's trying to give us just some quick guidance on better choices quickly. But then you add into that, like there's all these 800 other reasons, mental and, you know, wellness reasons of why we interact with food the way we interact with food. It's a lifestyle change. And that's the thing that just years of us talking and, and you know, I mean, we can talk about food and diet and all these things that we talk about all the time, all day long, but it doesn't change the fact that we don't have a perfect diet. Last week is a perfect episode where we're just, we're people, right? Domino's pizza and scotch. (laughs) Right. And we've talked about, I've made fun of you and your midnight cockroaching through the house, eating a bowl of cereal or whatever. I have worked on that. I have chocolate and I eat a lot of it. And so... Bought you two six-pack candy bars today to take with you, just for trail purposes, hiking purposes. Sure, sure, sure. Quick calories. So food rolls are just some ideas that can be helpful to you. Yeah, I mean... Every time we talk about a carrot, I give you that the carrot pulled out of the ground compared to the carrot cooked in the can go towards the carrot pulled out of the ground. It's the same thing. If you can think back to what your great-grandmother would eat. The example he uses for this one is gogurt. And she doesn't know this other item like a gogurt, then you should probably eat the one that your great-grandmother was eating. The challenging part I think about that is that we're moving so fast in time Uh now Uh that before too long, great-grandmothers are going to have known what Gogurt is. And then what? (laughs) Like, will we have (laughs) fixed the problem? Right. Will we have fixed the problem by then? One year ago today. Time warp. Time warp. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? Ooh, we doing last here? year's doing here? episode this time around, 
episode 2.22, stir-fried quinoa, I love your hobbit feet, (laughs) was jam-packed for a 35-minute episode. We talked about your dental recovery. (laughs) You were drinking kefir, and we go into what that is, kombucha, other fermented beverages. We were in the middle of the grain-free pizza challenge, so I had just made a pizza. But the highlight was that stir-fried quinoa with eggplant and cabbage. Mm-hmm. A meal we have not duplicated. Mm-mm. I don't have eggplants. Because the thing about it is, remember, my eggplants were starting to set. And then we hadn't gotten to the freeze yet. Uh-huh. We're not there yet. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's still coming, you guys. Let's talk about the second half of the title, I Love Your Hobbit Feet. Mm. What does that mean? I, I, I'm a little barefooted girl that likes to run around and has kind of dirty flat. I'm just kind of dirty. We've already discussed this. I believe that I'm healthy because I'm a little dirtier. So there you go. Last night around 730, eight o'clock, you were like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, let's go watch that show that we've been watching. We're in the middle of a show called Hacks on HBO Max. It's fun. Yeah. Fun show that we can both enjoy. Yeah. Watch you lay down, baby. Put those hobbit feet up in my lap and I'll rub on them. And this is the noise you made when I made that offer. Mmm. Because <laughs> my feet are always sore. And I kept glancing over to see, because you you were tired and you were also in your I will fall asleep at any moment position. <laughs> on the couch, all the lights out, food in your belly, TV on. It's like a sleeping pill for you. <laughs> and every once in a while I'd hear a mmm. Like, okay, I'm doing a good job. I'm gonna, let me continue that thing. And then I did glance over after we were about an episode and a half in and you were doing that thing like that a baby does when they're trying as hard as they can to remain inside the room with the rest of everybody else, but they're (laughs) nodding off and their eyes are slowly closing. Do you want to set a date to repeat that tonight? I guess so. If we get that far. I I know I've got a lot of packing to do. I love your hobbit feet. Well, we did have a long lunch club. And it was fantastic. And we used the sweet potatoes like I had talked about. We moved it out into the pavilion this time. So that was a really nice adventure of now, it. This is when you invite anyone that wants to buy a ticket to come out to the farm and enjoy yep. a multi-course meal. Yep. We've talked about it now um, on a few episodes. Yeah. And we've had some guests at the table that actually listen to the podcast. So that's kind of fun to have people to the dinner table. And everyone's invited. Exactly. So the first course is always local eats and it's things that I pick up at the farmer's market or it's things that we're canning. So throughout the year, we're harvesting figs from the fig trees, we're harvesting olives, we're harvesting whatever we're doing, we're harvesting and canning cucumbers, you know, all that kind of stuff. So things that were on there yesterday was like kimchi, Mm. sauerkraut. And then we did something that everybody really loved, which was some goat cheese chev from Thompson Dairy Farm. And then we put our whiskey figs on top of that. Oh, wow. That one was well-received. And then we also had a couple of dried sausages from our friends at Turkey Hollow Farm. Just a a really nice little charcuterie board. Yes. Nice. Carrots that I'd picked, radishes, beautiful radishes that were mine from our gardens. I'm really, you know, I'm welcoming people in. We're sitting down. There's charcuterie out on the table. Yesterday was perfect because it was a cold day, but not like miserable cold. Mm -hmm. And we had decided to do it out in the pavilion. So we had the fireplace on and then we moved the little, the nice little heater in place Mm -hmm. heater thing over on the other end of the table. So it was plenty warm. Plus, because I was making 
tacos this time and had a little bit more prep work with an oven that needed and all of that, I could be right there in the room with everyone. So we're all right there in the room together. And as guests come in, there's this nice little couch in front of the fireplace where the two friends that came in separate cars and hadn't seen each other yet sit down and have a chat by the fire and we're talking and welcoming them in and food is being prepped in the background. Yes, exactly. What a cool vibe. It's a long lunch and everyone deserves a long lunch. It doesn't matter who you are. This is more than a meal. This is a gathering. This is a conversation. This is an opportunity to share ideas about like how we're cooking different things. This is a, a time to share how we manage things on the farm. Last month we had a father and a daughter out here that farm around in the same area. You know, they've got goats in their pasture. And interestingly enough, that after the lunch tour actually went all the way out even into the pasture mm -hmm. and everyone walked. And they, they wanted to see your stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So it, it, it can be different, different vibes each week, depending on what the weather is, you know, things like that. But this one with the fireplace and the couch and just, it was just this really like comfortable yeah. getting to know you and... There was a lot of closer like friend groups there and um, now, I was able at this time to help you in the test kitchen though. Yeah. That had usually been you and your mom, but you and I put the entire meal together a few nights before. Mm -hmm. In fact, I said we should just go ahead and talk about it on last week's episode. You're like, "No, let's 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 wait until the actual event occurs." Yeah, so that's the thing that has been happening is that we've been doing these testing times, which means we Whoever is around gets to be involved in tasting things to make sure it's going to be what we want it to be on the day of. Because right. I'm going, okay, I've got lots of sweet potatoes. I got an overflow of sweet potatoes. Okay, what am I going to do with sweet potatoes? And what kinds of things can I put it in three times in three different dishes? And how can I make, you know. That's a really good point because you want to use what you have, yep. but you don't want it to be one, two, three punch that is all the same flavor. No, absolutely not. All the same not. consistency and mouthfeel. Nope. Absolutely not. And so I'm pulling brand new recipes that maybe have never been tried before. So we do what we call a test kitchen. And so we needed to test the salad, which is the thing that is the second course, is always some kind of a salad. What I initially thought about is there's a recipe out there with carrots, chili, lime, cilantro that is real lime and chili flavored. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where my mind first thought. So we did we did end up with a cilantro lime carrot kale salad, basically, which is a great try at getting what I want to get to someday. I think we should try it again, maybe on the podcast. Sure. I made it the first time. You mind if I tell them how it went? Yeah. You do mind? No. <laughs> <laughs> Just do it. Your dressing is lime juice, olive oil, sugar, cumin, and sea salt, and really finely minced cilantro leaves. Mm -hmm. But the salad... Kale, purple cabbage, red bell pepper, shredded carrots, green onions, cilantro, and a finely minced jalapeno. Mm -hmm. and then you just mix it all up in the bowl. Yep. And you made it, and it was really pretty. Like, it was well shred. Well, you were my audience. You know when I'm making pretty. You're the craftsman, and and I've talked about that on the podcast about you cooking, and you, you just... And, and I know what things are supposed to look like, and I know what 
they have a better mouthfeel if they are prepared this way, right. that kind of thing. Right. But my skills, because I don't practice it as often, and sure. I just haven't gone to the effort of really learning some of the skills that you've learned to, over the years. Over the course of our relationship, I'm closer to 10,000 hours of cooking you than you are. There you go. Exactly. And you... You're a fantastic eater. Yeah. Well, I... <laughs> We're going to talk about me cooking next week. Okay. 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 One thing I will tell you about yours, yours was beautiful, but it didn't have enough of the flavoring That's on what it. I said when we were done. I was like, you might want to double the dressing yeah. when you make it for the event. Yeah, yeah. When I served it, I said to the guests, "Right, this is something that in a traditional meal, you would just put alongside the entree, which is a taco that's coming next. But because we do this fancy long lunch, I'm serving it to you on a separate plate. Here it is. And of course, what I served to them was my version of it, not your version of it. Mm -hmm. And it was like a big chopped mess. <laughs> Did really? not look the same. No, I didn't. I, can tell I you should I have used the grater on the Cuisinart rather than the chopper oh, for on the, the Cuisinart. For everything, I think. Because even your purple cabbage was... The next time I cut a purple cabbage, I'll show you what I did. I just sliced it really thin. Well, you know, I don't know. Okay. I I should have paid more attention, I guess, whenever you were doing it. But also, I had someone else in the kitchen with me, yeah, and yeah. it just, I'm, I'm sure I'm, it was lovely. Don't beat yourself up. Well, I'm just me about being distracted, and I ended up with, and it was fine. And my mom said it tasted delicious. I did add more. I actually added more coriander to it. I don't know if yours even had any coriander no, in it. No, it didn't. And you went I, off recipe. I always do. You know me. I do. You know me. I flavor things. Yeah. I mean, th at the end of the day, that's the deal with me is that technique, get it all looking nice, whatever. My food's going to taste good because I am good at messing with the flavoring until I get it right. The thing had I'm a good bliss engineer just by <laughs> eating good food and... And all of your flavors are natural? Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> of course, the thing sold out. You're serving tacos in South Texas. Who doesn't want that? Yeah. And that was the entree course or the third course. It was a little different on the serving day because on test kitchen night, we actually used just canned beans and the recipe called for us to just flavor up the canned beans. Sure. It was a whole thing in the recipe about taking a can of black beans and adding some things to them to make them a little more flavorful. Yes. Yeah, so I, and I had intentions. I thought, gosh, if we could get some black beans made in the instant pot, that would really be the ideal situation. And I think as we molded around... After making it the night in the test kitchen, you ended up making me a pot. Yeah, I volunteered instant pot beans. because the instant pot is the perfect place to make beans. Right. You go to the store, you go to the bean aisle where they've got sacks of hard beans, pinto beans, chickpeas, black beans, kidney beans. They all work in the instant pot. So I did that for you the night before. It was so easy. The dried black beans, water, diced onion, garlic, salt. Chili powder, cumin, oregano, all in the Instant Pot together, 25 minutes, let it naturally release, you've got a delicious pot of beans. Why we don't do that more often when we're not serving food to people, I don't understand. It's because you don't eat beans. So in any way, moving on, we're going to talk about that more next week. I... So a lot of next week. Oh, there's some things coming. Okay. So you had the black beans ready to go that weren't out of a can. Correct. So, but the way that the tacos came together is I took these beautiful sweet potatoes that I had just harvested. Well, and well, technically I harvested them a couple weeks ago because you got to let your sweet potatoes cure. And I did let my sweet potatoes cure, perfectly cured and perfectly timed. And I had to Google, do you peel it? Yeah. You don't? Nope. 
That was my suggestion. Nope, nope. If a vegetable has a good flavored peel that isn't bitter or really tough, like or a thick, russet potato, like right? A, like an orange too thick to Then you into. should leave, yes, or an orange, it's thick and bitter. Mm -hmm. You should leave the peels on things because the peels is where a lot of the actual good nutrition and sure. antioxidants and the protective stuff actually is at. Just give them a good scrub. Yes, give them a good scrub. Basically, you season up your sweet potatoes, a little bit of olive oil, and some good salt. And I put some more coriander because I had some dried out coriander up there that's mine from the garden. And I was really trying to put a pop of cilantro and coriander and all these flavors. Of course, you do the Camino on there and some chili powder as well. Pop those in the oven, 15 minutes on both sides, and they turn into little crispy cubes of sweet potato. I also had some of my Canali Dairy Farm cheese that i use it crumbled up really nicely for the tacos very good some avocados that we didn't grow here sadly maybe in a few years we'll try again with some avocados to grow here however it's kind of challenging in south texas to grow fresh cilantro um some fresh chopped up green onions that we popped up on top of there as well i made the plate really pretty by laying out a piece of cilantro some slices of lime and a pretty little fresh pansy or whatever edible flour that I had available for it. Much better with your black beans. The test kitchen for the dessert round is always the part people like the most. <laughs> <laughs> the lemon basil ice cream came out with too much basil and not enough lemon. Thank God we tested it. Tested it. And the same thing with it. last time we did the gluten-free pumpkin pie. It was kind of the same thing. It didn't come out as good the first time the second time. So there's a test kitchen element to this. There's no doubt about this, but I came across a recipe. I looked through all the recipes. I was like, what can I make that's a dessert with sweet potatoes? What would be the interesting thing that we could do? I found a gluten-free chocolate cake that you make with sweet potatoes. And I sent it to my mom and I said, okay, what do you think? Would you be willing to help me out with this dessert? Well, it takes a lot of steps, but I'd be willing to give it a try. And so she made it and did the, we did the test run on it. And there's a lot, a lot to it. Did you happen to get the... All credit to your mom. I'm just going to read the recipe that she made. You put all of these things into your blender or food processor. Coconut flour, that's your gluten-free alternative. Mm -hmm. Cocoa powder, the sugar of your choice, baking powder, salt, two cups of mashed sweet potatoes. Mm-hmm. So eggs. you have to roast your sweet potatoes beforehand. There's a lot of steps to this thing. Eggs, maple syrup coconut oh, oil the maple syrup hold on and van vanilla extract those all go into your food processor and into the cake pan the maple syrup was yeah. actually from michigan because tommy my friend that's been helping me out here on the farm coming to these dinners and everything she actually brought me a jug of maple syrup yeah. that her friend's family harvested off their farm oh. in michigan and she brought it to me and it just so happens that then we have this recipe that calls for maple syrup. I'm like, guess what we're using? Local to Michigan, local to my friend, you know, like this, it's so much fun. Where the processing is tap the tree, put it in a jar, sell it to you? Pretty much, yeah. Mm. I mean, this isn't even, this was like a, like a moonshine jug, basically. Yeah. Like yeah. she just brought me maple syrup and I was like, whoa, this is, I, I can't even tell you how much more exciting and fun it is to be able to sit down at a table full of people and tell them, oh yeah, by the way, this is my winter Texan friend who comes to the farm and helps me out. And also this gluten-free, homemade 
chocolate cake made with sweet potatoes that I grew outside has maple syrup in it from my friend from Michigan's husband's farm in Michigan. <laughs> what? And we apologize when you leave the lunch, you're going to be more likely when you go to a restaurant to say, now what is in this and where did it come <laughs> oh, from? We and don't apologize. We simply are sharing our lifestyle with you. When we went to the fancy restaurant here in town that one time and they were serving mussels and I said, hey, where do you get your mussels? And the answer from the 16-year-old waitress was, oh, they come off of a truck. Listen, I'm ready to give people a lot more leeway. I think we got oh, a lot to figure out. I'm not making fun of this girl. That was the only <laughs> answer that she knew. So getting back to the chocolate cake, the recipe just calls for chocolate frosting, but I know your mom well enough to know that she made a chocolate frosting. Of course, uh -huh. it was gluten-free as well. Yep. Put that on top. I loved that cake. I loved both versions of the cake. I know that your mom must have done some tweaking and manipulating yep. between version one and the one that you served. Because yep. when I got home last night, I got to take a bite of that chocolate cake. It was better yep. the second time. But even the first one, it reminds me of those death by chocolate desserts oh, that you so get good, at though. super fancy restaurants. Flourless chocolate cake, it's you know. It's a huge wedge of cake. But yes. You can barely manage two bites because yes. it's just so rich and delicious. And it requires and... A, a dark Coffee to go with it. Coffee yeah. would be yeah. good. Even yeah. a glass of milk. Yeah. <laughs> Anything. So the first test that she did, she was excited to go ahead and make it. And then I was able to serve that one to my garden healing group that comes on Sundays. And they got to test it. And of course, we're out sitting by the fire having these really deep thoughts and meditation and journaling and all these things come inside get a cup of coffee, have this amazing homemade cake. Mm -hmm. That's the test. They're in love with it. They're like, did just... you tell them it was sweet potato based before yes. they tasted it? Yes, of course. Okay. This was the whole deal. Like they like, listen, you get to, you come to Freedom Harvest Farms and you never know what you're going to get to experience. I mean, you're having <laughs> some sweet true. potato chocolate cake, man. And my mom made this stuff and she just put all the love. This is important to her, you know? And so now we're here at the table with these folks and we're sharing this most delicious chocolate cake. And I just, can't, I can't even tell you how excited I was to get to be in this moment of sharing this food with people and talking about it. And every single time we do these events, it just gets better. To me, I'm just like, it's so much makes fun. Yeah. And it's such a good vibe. And the vibe is always different. It's always different, but it's perfect. And the food just gets better and better as we learn more and I get better skills and I learn more about things because I'm going to have to do some of this stuff yeah. on my own. <laughs> my next birthday is a big one and I'm going to suggest that we reinstitute the thing that we used to do and then took a break from the salon birthday where we <gasps> invite our friends. I thought about your birthday last night. I wrote it on the calendar and I went 50 July 9th is on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. I'm ready. Let's okay. plan it. So Let's I want to do, do the salon where everyone brings something to share. And if you're not comfortable doing that, don't worry about it. But people would bring a poem or people would bring a painting that they painted or people would play a song. But the vibe was different every single time because the mm -hmm. community that you create, mm -hmm. the six to 10 people that you sell tickets to, depending on how big it's going to be that month. Mm-hmm. They're going to create their own vibe. What they bring to the conversation is going to be different than the way it was last yep. month or next month. I guess the tickets for the next one in February mm -hmm. and tickets for that farm-to-table dinner that I yep. talked about, that's all available on your website? Yep. It's up online right now. AcelandCampbell.com. Mm -hmm. Let's bring this episode home with our random question of the week. Okay, I find this question really interesting. And it's funny because you put like nine questions on here and I looked through all of them. I was like, no, 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 Got to the very last one and I was like, nah. And then I went, hmm, that could be fun. 
What is it that you keep wanting to smell despite the fact that it doesn't smell particularly good? Okay. I have an answer for this immediately. Mm-hmm. And it's gross. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing. Okay. This is the reason why I wanted to ask this question. Yeah. Because this, this gets into that whole, my whole thing about perception now and understanding if you keep going back to smell it, mm-hmm. is it really gross? Or is that the coding you've been given that that's gross? You're not supposed to smell that. Well, no. Why do I keep going back to smell I it I am afraid to even say this out loud. This is embarrassing. Oh, come on. However, I do believe that if people are honest with themselves, that's a great question for you to even consider. What is the thing that you keep wanting to smell despite the fact that it doesn't smell particularly good? We used to put them up on Facebook sometimes and ask the public, like, answer this question for us. So if you're interested in doing that, we could totally do that. I like like to take my finger and rub it on myself where there is odor and then smell it. You like to smell yourself. I'm avoiding my buttocks. <laughs> you smell your butt. No, I'm saying I'm avoiding that. I, that I don't do, but I'm talking about like... Um, Are you sure? I promise. What's that? Like? <laughs> I'll, I'll do it right now. I don't want to stick my finger in your face. Gross. I'm getting away from you. Okay. So right here, like in the crease of my nose, sometimes I'll scratch myself. And then because your finger's so close to you... And then it's like, mm, that doesn't smell good. Oh, you know what? That reminds me. I touch my nose ring all the time. Uh-huh. And, and then you like smell gunk it. gets around there. And no, when I smell it, no, I'm like, oh, oh that's, that's a gross. smell that you don't like. I'm like, Ugh. But how do you not smell it all the time when it's in your nose? Because it's not, I don't know. It's not disturbed. It's, it's like when you step like in, in a dog hole. poop outside and that's in like when you disturb the dog poop, you break yeah. this invisible seal around it and it's all you can smell. Well, you open up the little particles that are actually what you smell. Sure. Because when you smell something, you're like breathing it into yourself, right. by the way. <laughs> yes. These are natural flavors, by the way. The FDA would approve everything that I'm talking about. Sometimes I'll even like, uh, I wonder if... Uh, oh, I'm an armpit smeller. I'll, I'll rub my armpit but I'm and like, then give it a little... Just see, like the, the Catherine you, Gallagher from Saturday Night Live. I'm totally Sometimes I rub my armpits. Yes. And I do. Like, the reason why that was so universally funny, everybody does it. Everybody does that. You have to. You have to. You have to be able to understand because... And I'm always... My best friend Jessica has taught me how to like be better about like body. Like... This is our body. And one of the things that she taught me is is that the smell of your armpits actually changes based on what's happening around you. And if you think about when you get into a stressful moment and and you like, okay, think imagine yourself going in to talk to your boss about something, right? right? And you walk out and your armpits are like dripping with wet. You watch the TV show where the guy's got the like wet armpits right. because he's like so nervous about something. Well, what happens is is that we put off these like odors well when a really handsome guy comes around or whatever you're welcome you go uh, you start to get sweaty but it's like it's like a pheromone like smell and then whenever you like are all stressed out about something it's like dude i smell like a little skunk i'm like skunky you know skunk is one that people sometimes say they like even though it doesn't particularly smell good no we like it skunk in that and any coding of oh you're not supposed to like that's that politeness scale that's like what's allowed in like public settings, which if you think about what's allowed in public settings has changed so much over, well, we were allowed to do this, but we're not allowed to do this. And now we're not allowed to do this, but we're allowed to do this. So those rules change so much. 
So to me, the interesting conversation about this particular question has more to do with what rules have we made that say that doesn't smell good. No, you just said body odor isn't allowed to smell good. And my babies, they come in smelling, not anymore because they're not babies anymore. And now I don't go up and smell their like adult pheromone smells, but they, but their heads, when they came in, you know what a little kid's head smells like after they've they've gone outside to play and it's, it's a little stinky kid and it is the most deliriously happy and joyful smell I have ever smelled as a mother. I'm like, "Mm, you smell like a little dirty kid. Now go take a bath. So do you have a final answer? My stinky little kids. Okay. Yeah. Even my stinky little dog, when he goes out to play real hard and he comes inside, he's got that little stinky little sweaty dog smell. Not when he eats like chicken shit and has like chicken shit breath. That doesn't smell good. (laughs) It licks my face. (laughs) Don't let him lick you. He's been eating chicken shit. I caught him. No, but when he's all like, he's been hopping along with the butterflies and he just got sweaty and he comes inside and he snuggles up to mom. He smells like a little sweaty kid. I'm just like, hmm. I love you. You're not supposed to smell good, but you smell great. We're going out of town. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you.